0: joining us for our third podcast in our ASC Topic 842 leases series. I hope you were able to listen in on the first two, discussing what is a lease and determining if a contract contains a lease, and general lease concepts in the guidance. If not, I encourage you to do so. My name is Dawn Patterson, and I am a CPA and audit senior manager in both the commercial and not-for-profit groups here at Barry Dunn. Today, we will be discussing lessee accounting in ASC Topic 842. As discussed in our last podcast, when a lessor makes available, for example, delivers, the asset to be used by the lessee, the lessor has fulfilled its obligation to transfer this right of use. In this situation, the lessee now controls that asset and has created an obligation to pay for that right to use the asset. As a result, a lease liability has been created by this transfer, and the lessee cannot simply return the asset without breaching the contract and potentially incurring significant termination penalties. As well, the lesser cannot take back the lease asset from the lessee without a similar breach of contract. This arrangement serves as the foundation of a lease and is the reason FASB ASC Topic 842 requires the recognition of a right of use asset and associated lease liability. Let's begin with the calculation of the lease liability. Upon initial measurement, you will need to record the lease liability at the present value of the lease payments not yet paid, discounted using the discount rate for the lease. The discount rate that an entity uses should be the rate implicit in the lease if it's readily determinable. However, if this rate is not readily determinable, an entity should use its incremental borrowing rate. There is a practical expedient to elect to use a risk-free rate for a comparable term as the discount rate. This election is available if the lessee is not a public business entity and is made by class of underlying asset. However, if the rate implicit in the lease is readily determinable, the lessee must use that rate. After you determine the lease liability, you next determine the amount for the right of use asset. The right of use asset consists of the amount of the measurement of the initial lease liability as discussed previously, plus any lease payments made to the lessor at or before the commencement date, less any lease incentives received and any initial direct costs incurred by the lessee. Initial direct costs by definition are those types of costs that would not have been incurred if the lease had not been obtained. From a lessee perspective, but the same applies to a lessor, this generally represents either commissions or payments made to an existing tenant to incentivize that tenant to terminate the lease. Alternatively, there are specific examples of costs within FASB ASC Topic 842 that are not identified as initial direct costs. These include the following. Note, these may either be incurred by a lessee, a lessor, or both. General overheads such as depreciation, occupancy, and equipment costs, unsuccessful origination efforts, and idle time. Costs related to activities performed by the lessor for advertising, soliciting potential leases, servicing existing leases, or other ancillary activities. And costs related to activities that occur before the lease is obtained, such as costs of obtaining tax or legal advice, negotiating lease terms and conditions, or evaluating a prospective lessee's financial condition. Once you record the right of use asset and the lease liability on day one of the lease, you will then need to address the subsequent measurement of the lease. The accounting changes depending on whether you record a finance lease or an operating lease. First, we will discuss the subsequent measurement in a finance lease. In many ways, the right of use asset in a finance lease is economically similar to other non-financial assets. As a result, FASB AAC topic A42 requires that the asset be measured at cost, net of accumulated amortization, and be amortized on a straight line basis from the commencement date to the end of the lease term. With respect to the subsequent measurement of the lease liability, an entity should recognize interest on the lease liability such that at all points during the lease, the lease liability reflects the present value of all remaining lease payments. As a result, Both the amortization of the right of use asset, along with interest on the liability, is reflected in an entity's income statement. From a balance sheet perspective, the liability should be increased to reflect the interest on the lease liability and should be reduced to reflect lease payments made during the period. One important point to note here is that the total periodic expense, the sum of interest expense and amortization, will generally be higher in the earlier periods of a finance lease. Think of this similar to the interest component of a home mortgage. Next, we will discuss the subsequent measurement of an operating lease. With respect to the subsequent measurement of the lease liability, there is no difference in the requirements for an operating lease versus a finance lease. As a result, the lease liability should be adjusted such that it reflects the present value of all remaining lease payments using the discount rate applied when it was initially measured and recorded. However, the subsequent measurement for the right of use asset for an operating lease is different from that of the finance lease previously discussed. After the commencement date of a lease, a lessee is required to recognize in its income statement a single lease cost calculated so that the remaining cost of the lease is allocated over the remaining lease term on a straight line basis, unless another systematic basis is more representative of the benefit pattern. More specifically, an entity subsequently measures the asset at the amount of the remeasured lease liability adjusted for the following. Cumulative prepaid or accrued rent if the lease payments are uneven throughout the term, unamortized lease incentives, unamortized initial direct costs, and any impairment of the right of use asset. Now that we have discussed the initial and subsequent measurements of the right of use asset and lease liability, The next concept we will address relates to lease modifications. The FASB ASC Master Glossary defines a lease modification as a change to the terms and conditions of a contract that results in a change in the scope of or the consideration for the lease. Examples of lease modifications are changes to the terms and conditions of the contract that adds or terminates the right to use one or more underlying assets or extends or shortens the contractual lease term. In situations in which a lease modification occurs, an entity, whether a lessee or lessor, has to determine whether the lease modification will be accounted for as a separate contract or as a change to the existing contract. An entity is required to account for modification to a lease contract as a separate contract when both of the following conditions are present. First, the modification grants the lessee an additional right of use not included in the original lease. And second, the lease payments increase commensurate with the standalone price for the additional right of use, adjusted for the circumstances of the particular contract. If the lease modification is not accounted for as a separate contract, an entity is required to reassess the classification of the lease as of the effective date of the modification based on the modified terms and conditions. FASB notes the following with respect to lessee lease modifications. When a modification does not meet the criteria to be accounted for as a separate contract, the lessee remeasures the lease liability for the modified existing lease as of the effective date of the modification, as if the modified lease were a new lease that commences on that date. Because the board decided that a modified lease is accounted for as if it were a new lease at the effective date of the modification, the lessee reassesses the classification of the lease, and remeasures the right of use asset and the lease liability based on the changed terms and conditions of the modified contract, including the changed lease payments. FASB has prescribed examples of four different situations where remeasurement by the lessee is required, which are as follows one, grants the lessee an additional right of use not included in the original contract, two, extends or reduces the terms of an existing lease other than through the exercise of a contractual option to extend or terminate the lease. Three, changes the consideration in the contract only. And four, partially or fully terminates the existing lease. In the first three of these situations, the lessee is required to recognize the amount of the remeasurement of the lease liability for the modified lease as an adjustment to the corresponding right of use asset. However, for the fourth situation, the full or partial termination of an existing lease, the new lease accounting standard prescribes that the lessee should decrease the carrying amount of the right of use asset on a basis proportionate to the full or partial termination of the existing lease. Additionally, any difference between the reduction in the lease liability and the proportionate reduction in the right of use asset should be recognized as either a gain or a loss at the effective date of the modification. And that brings us to the end of our discussion on lessee accounting under ASC Topic 842. Please join us in our upcoming podcasts on lesser accounting as well as presentation, disclosure and transition methods under the new lease guidance.